Hi there, I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast where we discuss all of the relevant issues to help you succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. We cover sales and marketing, translation techniques, cat tools and much, much more. Find out more at anchor.fm slash pros. Hey there, Paul here. Hope you're doing fantastically well. This is episode 28 of the pros.com podcast and today I'm going to be talking with Nancy Mattis about project management. So how to how to manage translation projects, how to analyze translation projects, how to outsource. It really is a, a, a great interview so stay tuned for that in just a second. First of all, a couple of quick reminders. If you are not in the pros.com translators and interpreters Facebook group, then I'd, I'd really suggest that you head on over there. Just head on over to Facebook, search for pros.com translators and interpreters, join the group, answer a couple of very simple questions, and you will then have access to all of the content in that group, all of the posts that, all of the content that is posted on a daily basis, on a daily basis, uh, lots of lots of great discussions in there, so so well worth checking out that Facebook group. And if you'd like to find out any more about the training course mentioned in th- this episode, or in fact any other training course, then head on over to training.pros.com. That's training.pros.com. Right, well let's get cracking with Nancy. Nancy Mattis has been involved in the translation business for around 20 years, working as a translator, reviser, technical specialist, project manager and teacher among other roles. She currently manages her own translation company based in Belgium and teaches translation project management at three universities. She also runs seminars at numerous universities across Europe and has been involved in some European projects designing and evaluating training materials for future translators and project managers. Nancy, welcome to the show. Hi Paul, thank you for that. Yeah, Nancy, well, great to, great to have you on today. And we're going to be talking, of course, a little bit about project management. Okay. But before we get into that, before we get into that, Nancy, if you could just give us a little bit of background. I know you've got extensive experience uh, running uh, an LSP. You've got extensive experience, huge, uh, many years experience in, in the languages industry. So tell us a little bit how it, how it all started for you, please. Sure. Um, I studied translation a long time ago, actually. And during my studies, it's not that I didn't like translation, but I couldn't see myself translating the whole day. So after my degree in translation, I started a degree in economic and social sciences, which I actually enjoyed a lot. And um, after having graduated, I started sending CVs to work in marketing and management, but also um, in to, to translation agencies, but more with the idea of translating during the weekend or in the evenings. Yeah. Um, and, and where did you where did you study? I studied in Belgium, in yeah. uh, the University of Mons. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And the funny thing is that I got uh, very quickly an interview in what was at that time the biggest company, translation company in Belgium, which was yeah. called Mendes, and no part of the Lionbridge Group in order to revise text in the economic sector. So that was a good match, actually, and I started yeah, working yeah. there. 
So I learned a lot during seven years in this company. I did many, wow. many things. And wow. um, even though I, I had no real um, IT knowledge or whatsoever in IT, I started working on Microsoft translation projects. And I learned a lot on the technical aspect of projects like testing, debugging files, and doing DTP, working on illustrations. So okay. that's really but where I learned a lot really... about all that. Yeah, excellent. But you weren't really translating, or, or were you? Um, I was revising, mainly. And then, yep, um, yep. I, well, yeah, I learned a lot of the technical tasks, doing them myself. So I did DTP, I did localize illustrations, which was a really good way for me to learn what were the different tasks on the project and afterwards to lead a project. So I became a linguistic lead, then a project manager, um, only working on what we called at that time local projects, so projects only translated into French, which is my, my language. And afterwards, yep, yep. I moved to international projects. Okay, excellent. So lots of experience working in that company. Yes. And then what happened after those, those seven years? What, what was your next step? Well, at the, at the very end, uh, I became head of the project management department, where I had the opportunity also to train many project managers. And uh, as you said, after seven years, I left the company and started as a freelancer, um, mainly working, again, as a reviser, revising IT translated texts. But very quickly, okay. I was requested to do things that I couldn't do on my own, like translating into German, Japanese, Spanish. So I built a team. Okay. And I okay, ran and just, this team. Nancy, yes. sorry, sorry to interrupt, but just one question there. So was that, was that a, a decision that was, how did that decision come about? Was it due to some change in the company or did you just say, okay, I need to, I want to become a freelancer or, 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 or what put, put, put you on that path to, to becoming Well, I a think freelancer? after seven years, I had enough of working in the same company probably. There were also yeah. a few internal political things that I preferred to avoid and I left the company beca because of all that. Um, okay. to, to be okay. honest, I didn't know what I was going to do. I first wanted to leave the company after having worked uh, on training my successors. And, um, and I restarted as a freelancer, just trying to check what I would do. I, I, didn't, I, I wasn't sure, mm. actually. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of people have been in that in that position where they think, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try this out while I figure out what I'm going to do. Exactly. And then it just develops, it just develops really quickly as, a, as it seems that it did in your case. And before you know it, you have yeah. a company on your hands. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, that was a funny thing. After, actually, after one year, one of my major client came to me and said that for their headquarters, it was not really logical to continue working with a freelance person with such a big business because it had become too much for a freelancer. And yeah. they pushed me to be a company, actually. So the next day I went uh, to register my company, not even thinking about a name. So when they asked for a name, I just said my name, which is why the company is named Nancy Mattis. Okay, to this day, right? Yes. Brilliant. And there's another good thing there in what you've said, Nancy, that some that some of these things, I, I think these things, these changes that happen in our careers, our businesses, they, they tend to be very powerful when they are driven, when they are client driven. Oh, yeah. So the, the client asks for a new service, the client asks for a company structure. It, it's something that then encourages you to make that change. But it's a change that that 
that client wants, and also in most cases, many other clients are likely to want too. So yeah, definitely. I'm sure that then that then made you feel. I'm guessing. I don't want to ask the question answer the question for you, but did that make you feel more established, more professional, more able to to work with other companies or, or not? Well, probably because my customers were only direct clients, not translation agencies. So definitely for them, it was uh, it was better. But the funny thing is still that I've never had, um, how can I say, official offices. So yeah. during all that time and still today, I haven't hired an office and a professional office to welcome the clients. It's always been in my own apartment or house. So at the beginning, it was a little bit strange for me to welcome clients in my apartment. But very quickly, I realized that it it didn't matter for them. Even if we are talking about quite big companies, which were probably more used to... um, great offices, great buildings, yeah, uh, visiting yeah. other translation agencies. It didn't really matter. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, I found, I found actually, I mean, I, I, used, to, I used to have uh, an office um, when I was, uh, when I was uh, running a translation company. Mm-hmm. But I actually, found, I actually found that I would be the one who would visit the clients almost all of the time. Um, so, so yeah, but I think what you've said as well is very interesting. It's, it's really about people are looking for a solution. They're looking for a solution to a problem and, and not necessarily a fancy corporate office. So, so yeah, very good. Very good. Excellent. Brilliant. And how long have you been running your company for now, Nancy? Um, it will be 20 years next year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we started in 2002. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. And if you could just give me a very brief summary of perhaps some of the types of jobs that you've worked on or, or, or language pairs or just, just an indication of, of the sort of things your company has, has achieved or, sure. or carried out during that time? Um, really, by chance, I would say we have developed ourselves in a specific sector, which is marketing translation in IT security. Um, one of my biggest clients at the very beginning was in IT security, and I guess this led the, the, whole, the whole thing. Because with the, this business evolving a lot, people tend to change companies, IT security companies. And people who had worked with me at the beginning or when they were in their first company or second company continue to contact me afterwards in order to continue working with my company, although they were not in the same companies on their side. So the, the, the network really spread this way in this sector. So currently we have probably 80% of the business in IT security and probably also in marketing because they were happy about the way we wrote um, in the main languages like German or French, Spanish, and afterwards Asian languages. So we really kept our um, specialties, if I might say, in in this kind of translation. Although at Uh the very beginning, Uh I was a lot in software localization and technical projects. Little by little, we we were really um, more, let's say, referenced for marketing translation, and the remaining twenty percent is pure technical translation. Brilliant. Regarding Brilliant. the languages, well, I tend to say whatever you want, <laughs> but the main languages would be French, Italian, German, Spanish, um, Korean, both Chinese, Japanese, and Brazilian, and then all the rest we could do a project in forty-five languages, for instance. Wow. Wow. 
And how many translators do you normally work with? Well, that's the difficult question because I work with freelance translators only for some target languages like French and Dutch, which are the well two of the official languages in Belgium. Um, also with freelancers for some languages like Japanese or English, but for nearly all the others, I work with partner companies or groups of translators, let's say, led by one project manager who is an independent project manager, not, not an employee of my company. I don't have employees, actually. I only work with freelance people, even for project management and technical tasks. So it would be extremely difficult for me to say how many translators are working on the jobs because we could have very big jobs and only send them to our 12 contacts in the 12 target languages. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that, Nancy. That's very, very revealing and very interesting to, to, to hear your, a little bit of your, your history, how you got to where you are today. So, so let's talk about project management now. And I'd like to, I'd like to tackle this subject mm -hmm. as if we're talking to someone who's never done this before, but someone who is a freelance translator, someone who understands the business. So, so let's imagine a scenario where a freelance translator has only ever worked for themselves and they might be a little bit sort of apprehensive about outsourcing. Outsourcing tends to cause a little bit of apprehension sometimes and they might not know anything about rates Yeah. Uh, um, or, or not, not about rates. I'm sure freelancers are very comfortable with their rates, but they might not be comfortable or understand or, or yeah, just be completely comfortable with what rates they should then be paying someone else. So let's say a, a project comes in let's let's make it simple it's it's in their language pair or language pair that they are familiar with but it's just too much work for them to do and they then take the decision that they would like to work with some some other freelancers and they would like to help the client solve solve their their, their problem how how would they where do you start where do you start in analyzing a project what kind of things should someone be yeah. considering right at the very beginning? I think the, the main thing, of course, the main aspect is to be able to find people you trust in order to work with you. And that's mm. always the problem. Would you be an agency? Would you be a freelance subcontracting to another one? So that's really the, the, the most important aspect, first of all, to be sure of the person who will work with you. And then to decide of the task. Are you going to translate and ask this other person to revise or vice versa? Then again, you might have two possibilities regarding the rates. Either you impose your rate and you say, okay, this would be the rate I pay you. Do you agree with that? And mm. normally you have already decided that this rate would be a good rate for working um, in these quite big projects and still be profitable regarding what the client will pay you. Or you ask the person first, what would be his rate? and from there, you decide what you would ask a client, but then you still have to make a decision. Either you consider that your translation rate plus your revision rate should be compensated as such by the client, or you want a little bit more to actually pay the extra service you are offering to the client by this project management. Because instead of having two contacts, the client will have only you as a contact. So they will save time. And if they save time, they save money. So normally they can pay you for the extra service. And that's where you decide, would it be a 5% margin as we call it, or more? Or how much do you need in order to compensate the fact that you give this 
extra service to the client. Yeah, very interesting. And I like what you said there, Nancy, in terms of um, are you going to be an agency or are you going to be a freelancer contracting another freelancer? Mm -hmm. so, so, so I suppose I would say, what's the difference? What's the difference? And I think this is part of the part of the issue is that a lot of freelancers, um, rightly or wrongly, um, don't always have a perfect relationship with agencies and therefore and I don't really want to get into that sort of debate other than to say I think there's great agencies fantastic agencies out there and there are bad agencies out there I think that's yeah. I think that's that's clear um, but I think for, for for some freelancers they might think well it, I, I've had some issues with agencies I'm not sure that I want to become an agency sure. myself what, what would you say to that to that person well it really develop it really sorry it really depends on on the goal on your goal if you decide one day to build an agency and to be well at the head of, of a very big agency then you have a plan and you know what you want to do if it's like me not really knowing that you will be an agency it might be different if it's only a matter of satisfying the client by accepting bigger volumes or languages or tasks that you're not able to do and subcontracting those tasks then you might develop your business little by little uh, would it be an agency or or not so I think there is a big difference there be between people who want to run a business as an agency and people who only want to satisfy their client requirements by adding services to what they can propose. There are already two optics there, according to me. Um, yeah, very good. Probably. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, that would probably be a question to ask to a big agency owner afterwards yeah, to see exactly yeah. how, they, how they see that. But that's the way I see it. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So you mentioned, you know, finding, finding the right people yeah, and then, that's the most important. And, then, and then, and then working with a margin. Mm -hmm. I just have a, a question. So, so yeah, no, I think you have, you have answered that question. So you are then going to charge more to the end client because you are going to be doing more for them and saving time and money. Well, for them. if I, if I may just take an example, if you have a translation to do um, in the sector, you know, and you ask a translator to translate for you and then you will revise it, well, you might then take time to give feedback to this person or to develop a glossary, to give, them, to, to give this person instructions, whatever, but you are doing more than only revising. And it's the same towards the client. You are normally recruiting someone for this client, so that's what I call a paying service. I think it's normal to be paid for this extra time. And even if you feel that it's better for you to translate and then to have a reviser, you will definitely check yourself what this reviser has changed in your translation, maybe discuss with them. And no, in a typical situation, it's the client who should do that if they hire themselves a reviser. So you definitely do some task um, in order to help the client and avoid them of doing those tasks. So yes, I think this service should be a paying service. Now, of course, you can do it for free for the first project, but afterwards you have to make this client understand that it's easier working with you because you subcontract and do so many things for them rather than having to deal themselves with two, three, five, ten persons. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an excellent, excellent answer, Nancy. And I think that, that really can help people. 
when it comes to marketing themselves as a as a group of translators mm-hmm. or as a as a as a small agency because i think again there's this this feeling sometimes that oh well agencies just add on a percentage and take it all for themselves exactly. and if i yes. if i were to do that well i'm just taking a percentage and i'm no i think it's about understanding the service that one is giving to the client and yeah. how that really benefits the client so so brilliant thanks for that okay well let's let's talk a little bit about the the project now so let's assume that we've got some and i know we're running through this quite quickly but let's assume we've got it we've got a, a, a translation team we've got a few people who are going to be working with us mm-hmm. how do you then analyze the project so this is where a little bit of um a little bit of mathematics comes in so you've got to say well you know how many words how many days how many how do you start to analyze that that part of the project nancy when we receive the files, the first thing we check is the format and the way the, the, the files are built. So if we even take a very simple project, like a documentation project, a document, um, maybe formatted in a specific layout with InDesign, let's say. The first thing we will do is to open the document in InDesign and check how the document has been formatted. Uh, is there anything to remove? Is there any line breaks in the middle of sentences, of logical units? What do we have to do? Are there graphics and is the text in the graphics accessible or not? We really analyze first the content of the file. Then we would run an analysis using translation memory um, in order to know if there is any leveraging uh, possible um, on this job, provided, of course, we have already worked with the client. We have translation memories dedicated by client. We don't mix, of course, the, the TMs. Um, but although, even though um, we haven't worked with the client first, we still run this analysis just to see if there is any repetition or whatever. Uh, we, need, we, we, we are so used to use the translation memories that we would do this analysis for any type of project. We normally yeah, yeah. also check who would be the best translator and the best revisor or the best teams if there are several languages to do this uh, this project. Sometimes we would even ask before if those people are ready for it, could do it, and would be available for it. And based on the word counts we have, page counts, illustration counts, because illustrations that need to be localized need also to be included in the quotation, we prepare a quotation for the client. And um, if we can already indicate what would be a proposed deadline, we do it. So that's that's how we would start. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, I think this whole this whole part of um, this whole component of, of quoting projects is is more important than people realize sometimes because I think you've got to you've got to get the price right. Yeah. According to your your market and your positioning and everything else, and it's ever so easy to to just price your your project too highly and therefore miss out, and um, it's also easy to make a mistake. Um, as has happened to me <laughs> once or twice, where you actually quote something that is, you know, well below the value mm-hmm. because you've you've missed something, and then the client comes back and says yes, and that puts you in a bit of a yeah. a, dif- a, dif- a difficult if, if situation. If I might add something there, Paul, it's also why I put so much emphasis on the analysis. For me, the analysis of the project is the most important aspect of project management. Would it be for translators, agencies? Whoever works in translation, they should analyze the project very carefully in order not to miss anything, as you said, and not to over or underquote 
the, the the project budget it's very 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 important yeah very good very good okay so so then then you put together a a, a quote mm-hmm. that's very clear in terms of in terms of price in terms mm-hmm. of delivery time um one of i think one of the the um the concerns that that i always had was it was delivery time clients seem very um so lots of clients lots of direct clients don't understand the translation process mm-hmm. And they will say things like, well, I'm looking to have this translated in two days. And if it's obviously a, a lot of text and it has to go through a, a revision process, a quality control process and so on and so on, and you have to assign the work and review the work and everything else, then two days is, is you might not be realistic. A more realistic time for that project might be 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm interested to hear how you manage that, which I'm sure you've come across um, many times in your career, how, how do you manage that yeah, difference in um, I, I would even add one problem to all the ones you've just listed. It's the fact that we have limited good resources able to work for specific projects, specific clients. And as I explained at the beginning, we are specialized really in IT security. And the problem comes when all the clients, all the different clients want something at the same time and the good resources are really limited and should be the same people working on their projects. So that's where the difficulties arise really because we have to explain those people that even for 2000 words, they have to work, they have to wait for two weeks because the the right people to do the tasks are not available. And that's a really frustrating situation for them and for us. So we try to explain them actually that if they want quality, we need to wait for the right persons to be available. And that's not always yeah. negotiable. We know that sometimes we might lose a client who will go to another group or agency to get the files tomorrow, as you said. So th- that's difficult. So we try also between the project managers to discuss a lot and to see if one project can be pushed a little bit so that we can insert another one. How can we do to still work with the same limited team and satisfy all the clients? But that's not an easy game. And it's really where the project managers have issues and, and don't like that at all. They are really frustrated by the situation. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things that just um, has its fluctuations. So you might go a few days without a job and yes. then you, you yeah. end up getting three big jobs at, at once. And obviously, if you have a, a team planned for, the, you might wish to have the same team working on all three projects at the same time, but obviously that's not possible. So yeah, that's when... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the fact so is that so you either delay the project. Sorry, you either delay the project or you work with yeah. another team. Yeah, well, it's always difficult to change teams when they are very used to a client. But again, if yes. those three projects are for the same client, the same contact person at the client company, you can easily explain them the conflict. But if three projects are for three different clients, how will you say to one customer that he is less important than the other one for whom we will do the project first? So. That's really a challenge all the time, discussing, explaining, negotiating. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Brilliant, Nancy. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that that overview. I think that's uh, excellent. It certainly gives gives us an idea. And at pros.com, of course, we're, we're very happy that we are working with you and that you, you have uh, launched your course all about project management. So Project Management 1, How to Analyze and quote projects is available on the pros.com training platform. That's training.pros.com. But Nancy, tell us a little bit about, about your course, please, and, and who it's designed to help. Um, 
a very long time ago, I started teaching localization and translation project management at university. Um, here first in Brussels and then in several universities. And little by little, I started also coaching or training some professional people to uh, project management. Translators, for instance, who want to become project manager or start working in a translation agency or simply who want to develop their uh, skills managing projects for themselves or for a little group of people. Um, little by little, I really um, realized that the analysis aspect was the most important. That's why now I always start all my courses talking about the analysis of project and explaining what are the different types of projects, what are the tasks, the production tasks that can be set for any type of project, and how to make sure that you are going to reduce at maximum the risks on your project by already thinking about the potential problems and therefore solutions that you might have to face during the project. So the first emphasis is really on analysis. And thanks to this good analysis yeah. afterwards, it's quite easy to make your quotation or schedule because you simply have to take the different volumes and different analysis uh, aspects you have taken into consideration to do your quotation and schedule. Most of the time, that's how I um, organize my courses. In the quotation course, I also talk about rates, how to define a rate as an agency, as a, a freelance person. Would it be for translation, revision, technical tasks like DTP, whatever. Any task yep. should be uh, priced in a way that would be fair for you, for the client and potentially for the subcontractor. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, if you'd like to find out more about that uh, that course, then head on over to training.pros.com. What we're trying to do here at Pros is, is really work with with experts, and and Nancy certainly is an expert in the area of project management. And you 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 have the opportunity to learn from someone who has twenty years experience <laughs> doing this. So I think that's, I think that's just fantastic, and that's that's something obviously that applies to Nancy in this case, but it also applies to. Our other, our other courses. So what we really want to do is give you the opportunity to learn from those, those experts. And so if you are interested in project management, then, uh, then check that out at training.pros.com. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for sharing your expertise. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much, Paul. Whenever you want. Bye-bye. Brilliant. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.